Are you feeling peaceful? Very peaceful <laughs> after a nice lunch. <laughs> a little too peaceful. peaceful the same as sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, everybody, welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I'm your host. And today my special guest is Reverend Karen Kraska. Welcome back, Karen. Thank you. Thanks. The big question that we're asking today is, is it possible to feel peace at Christmas? Um, And the reason we want to talk about this is because we are doing... Uh, this worship series during Advent called Christmas Kaleidoscope, where, you know, you imagine a kaleidoscope and all these beautiful colors coming together to create um, an amazing picture. And peace is one of those elements that we want to talk about of the birth of Jesus brought peace to this world. But what does that really mean? And how do we define peace? Because I'll say, you know, for me, the world doesn't really feel peaceful. Um, and I don't really know what it means when we say Jesus's birth brought peace. So I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, do you have any starting thoughts around the idea of peace? Well, I have a, a starting thought around the idea of kaleidoscope, about oh. Christmas kaleidoscope, because I'm just going to own, I missed the worship meeting when that decision was made for Christmas kaleidoscope. And so the next meeting where I attended, I was like, what does that even mean? I, I couldn't kind of wrap my brain around that. And as I've now gotten to think about it over these past weeks, uh, I'm really, really excited about it because the bits of broken color that can come into sharper focus and make something beautiful, I was just kind of missing the whole abstractness of it. And I finally settled in, isn't that how our world is? And um, even in the picture of Christmas, where we kind of um, make it very uh, warm and fuzzy and and serene and antiseptic, and even the animals that had to be stinky and, you know, dirty are just so perfectly quaffed and, you know, tidy. And so I really am enamored about this. And and the word uh, peace has so many um, conjures up ideas that are the same. We think, oh, wow, peace is tranquility and beauty and serenity when there's internal and external peace. Mm -hmm. And you can have one and not the other. And there's just a lot of layers and richness even to the concept of peace. Yeah. And that, that is the whole idea behind it of like, there's so much brokenness mm-hmm. in the story of Christmas sure. and it, it's not all, you know, we can look at it in retrospect because we know how the story ends. Right. But if you're traveling along with these characters and trying to imagine yourself in their position where they have absolutely no idea how the story ends and everything right. <laughs> seems and feels so broken and there's so much unrest and how are all of these individual pieces going to come together uh, into this beautiful kaleidoscope. So what you just said about when when we can look back at things, we can see how God was working into making something beautiful and we can look back and point to, oh, that that led to this. And but when you were on a journey, as we all are, we don't see the future. And so it feels not peaceful. Mm. It feels, makes us restless because I think we are a people who want to know the end of the story and have, have everything work out tidy. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so getting into peace, uh, I want to start with one of these little puzzle pieces, the prophecies. So there are prophets who foretold about Jesus's birth, and they talked a little bit about peace. And mm -hmm. could you uh, tell us about some of the prophecies of peace that led up or pointed to Jesus's birth? Sure. I think when we come to the season of Advent, we read a lot from the book of Isaiah, the prophet of Isaiah. He lived uh, from like 740 to 681 BC before Christ was born. And when I read this question, I immediately thought of Handel's Messiah, the oratorio that is often sung at Christmas and at Easter. And it begins, the whole oratorio begins with the prophet Isaiah's words, um, and kind of leads us through, and then we get into uh, Malachi, who the prophet Malachi lived from like 440, 430 BC. And um, again, in Handel's Messiah, he said things like, who may abide and, and he shall purify. Well, we read the Old Testament through New Testament eyes. And these prophets were, uh, Isaiah and Malachi were talking about um, Jesus, we believe the foretelling of, of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who will be Shalom, who will bring peace. Uh, the Hebrew word for peace is Shalom. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word for peace is Irene. And so we believe Jesus was peace, Irene, but the prophets are talking about a Shalom, a wholeness, a restoration, a completeness a totalness. And so these prophets were were speaking and people just like prophets today, we don't they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand they they were literally talking about a concept but about a person. Mm -hmm. So so what was the significance of these prophecies to the people at the time who were hearing the words or uh, later reading the words on the written page? Uh, what was the culture like and what were they experiencing? And, and when the prophets were talking about this promise of shalom, what do you think they were interpreting from that? Well, I clearly, if you had to guess, yeah, if I had to guess, <laughs> I would think just about like today. We're going about our busy lives, and we have things on our to-do list, and we're trying to uh, have interpersonal relationships with children and spouses and friends and work and then survival uh, of food gathering and all those things. So the prophets were an interruption to everyday life, and we don't always like interruptions. And the prophets uh, were saying things, and still today, that make us uncomfortable things that we have to just kind of grapple with, if not, if we don't dismiss them. Uh, and so I think just like today, those who were speaking prophetic words um, were either dismissed or some were treated as crazy. And so when you're talking about peace, who doesn't want peace? Who doesn't want restoration? But just as, you know, Jesus came as Messiah, as king, we have in our mind what that looks like. We have a picture, and the prophets were trying to paint a different picture uh, that wasn't so literal. Um, so I think people were probably confused. I think people were probably some distressed. People were dismissive. Mm. Well, and I think what what you were saying at the beginning of 
there is internal and external peace. I think that oftentimes when we get the promise of peace, we're thinking external peace mm-hmm. of, okay, because I know a, a lot of people when there was this promise of um, a king to come and to save us from, you know, everything. So this idea was a conqueror, a conqueror to come in and put us back on top or to uh, bend the land to our will or whatever it is. It's this idea of like, oh, okay, this is about turmoil. This is about war. This is about uh, claiming peace. And I think the promise is more of an internal Mm -hmm. peace. Right. Maybe, which we're like, eh. <laughs> well, because a political requires, leader, yeah, a political leader that can come and, to your point, um, make things right and gain whether it's land or authority and shepherd and watch over and provide for um, is very different from an internal mm. kind of peace and tranquility. Well, and I was thinking, like, if we're talking about an internal peace. It's scarier because it requires us to do some work. (laughs) Like internal peace isn't just going to magically happen. It requires a self-awareness and it, um, we, we have to, it's almost like the worst fruit of the spirit, self-control that we have Mm -hmm. to figure out, like how to keep the external world from affecting our internal peace and harmony. Right. Um, and then it gets a little bit more complicated. Right. Okay, so do you think that God's definition of peace, so like when we're hearing from these prophets of the promise of future shalom, um, is does God mean the internal peace or is God, is it pointing specifically to Jesus the person is the provider of peace? Like I don't really understand Jesus, the human bringing peace. Right. Well, there's a couple of of ways to look at this. And I'm, you know, I'm not a a biblical scholar per se. Well, not not even per se, like in any stretch of the word, uh, stretch of the imagination. But in my understanding, absolutely, Jesus was the personification of peace. And when we look at the ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross and atonement and all of that, that 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 allows us this perfect peace. But beyond that, um, I think prophecies are pointing to our part, our, our work in this, that we must participate in wholeness and restoration and shalom and um, bringing about a, a world, a culture where where violence doesn't exist and the lion lays with the lamb. And so we have an active part in this. So I think part of us as Christians think, well, Jesus did all that and took the sins of the world. And it almost, and this is just in my my kind of simple mind, abdicates my responsibility because Jesus has already done it. Mm-hmm. But I have an active part in the restoration of humanity, of of causing and helping to facilitate kindness and gentleness and goodness and wholeness. Mm. So it, so if we were to look specifically at the Christmas story, the, the beginning of Jesus, mm-hmm. the bringer of peace, uh, let's look at each of the characters in the birth story and imagine how they might be seeking peace or feeling a little bit of unrest, internal unrest and turmoil. Mm. How how do you imagine each of these characters are seeking God's peace and restoration? 
Well, you know, we've done sermon series or worship series um, several times where we examine each of the biblical characters. And I guess what I kind of come down to with each character is if I'm just going about my life and all of a sudden an angel appears or something supernatural, super holy happens, it's going to kind of stop me in my tracks and cause you to be very reflective and very kind of introspective. So grappling with, oh my gosh, the magnitude of the birth of Christ and not knowing exactly how all this is going to play out and having insight given from the Holy Spirit and given from God to each unique individual. But other people can't necessarily uh, understand, explain, or bear witness if we've had a God encounter. So if it's like Mary, when the angel appears and says, you're going to be, you know, you're going to birth God. Wow. She, she had this kind of religious experience, but those around her didn't. And I think that happens today when we have a God encounter and we feel our hearts strangely warmed or the power of God in us, others don't necessarily have that, that insight. So I think fear and uncertainty. I think each of the biblical characters, if we you know go through the story, would just have a lot of, hmm, I'm just going to kind of do the next right thing and, and try to be faithful and walk into the unknown, understanding there had to be a lot of fear and probably not a lot of peace. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of is like, it's funny that we describe uh, Jesus as the Prince of Peace or the, the bringer of peace in this birth. But I think of all of the elements of this story that were about disrupting someone's mm-hmm. peace of like, I imagine um, Mary being told that she is pregnant and she is going to carry Christ probably disrupted her peace. Uh, the Very same much. for Joseph. His peace was a little disrupted um, and he had to make some hard decisions. I think of the shepherds who were just going about their business and then their peace was disrupted by an army of angels that was probably absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. On top of all of this news that Mary and Joseph received, then there's a census and they have to travel into right. Bethlehem, which I would guess, I've never been pregnant, but I would guess if you're, mm-hmm. you know, seven, eight months pregnant, it's not that easy Quite a disruption <laughs> yes. of a trip. Right. Um, the, the innkeeper who, well... Is the innkeeper actually in scripture or did we make that part up? I can't I'm trying remember. to remember exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about the innkeeper. We know there yeah. was no room at the end, but yeah. we don't have like, you know, letters in blue that this is what the person said. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Magi being disrupted in uh, their journeys of having to, they found Jesus and then they had to go back another way because King Herod was after them. And there's just all of this violence and um, stress. stress and there turmoil stress. around this birth, like you said, that we like to paint in this like beautiful, serene mm-hmm. blue light. Mm-hmm. And- exactly. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, using the word stress is really kind of the antithesis of peace. And I know uh, in our lives when we get, when I get really stressed out, there just is no peace. There's no peace where there's stress. Well, I don't think we can we can avoid stress. Stress is just life. Things happen, things break, things don't go the way we plan. There's pressure, there's deadline, there's you know survival, all of those things. And so Jesus is coming 
to help us kind of manage that, if I can be kind of super simplistic, that all these things are going to happen, um, but Jesus is is there to help us kind of center and focus and find that internal peace. So, so for Jesus's role in peace is the idea that Jesus's birth emergence into this world instantly brought peace or was it the promise of future peace or was it that he is peace and we need to learn yeah. about peace from him? I, I think, and this is again, kind of my my thoughts is that Jesus didn't come and instantly the water stilled and the birds tweeted and everything was beautiful and harmonious. I mean, we know that's not, that we know that that's not the case. Um, but yes, I think Jesus ushered in peace in that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And so Jesus represents peace and is helping us to work towards peace and understand what shalom should be and look like. So it's not a, oh, we were in chaos, Jesus came, and then we weren't, (laughs) or we aren't. We are human beings, we are mortal, and Jesus represents God. So it's a um, it's God among us, helping us, showing us a better way, teaching us, leading us, guiding us, and living in us. So what is the significance of all of this peace narrative to us today? Um, how do we claim that peace for ourselves and learn how to live into that. Because like you said, stress and anxiety is all around us. I'm sure as people have, you know, celebrated Thanksgiving and spent time with family, there's probably a lot of stress around that. Mm -hmm. Um, As we're going into the Advent season, I imagine Christmas pageants and parties <laughs> and you got to get the decorations up and you got to get your right. Christmas shopping done. And it just turns into this massive to-do list. So how how do we take that peace that was promised to us and participate in that during this season? Well, that's a that's an important question. I think that Regardless of the time of the year, Advent and Christmas, especially because to your point, there's more stuff. And that's a lot of the commercialization of Christmas and the tradition of Christmas where all the dance recitals and the Mm -hmm. final concerts of the year and the pageants and the fun stuff, the shopping and the gift giving and the parties, all that's wonderful, but it's just external stuff that we participate in because it's fun. But then all of a sudden we quickly find ourselves overwhelmed. But that can happen different times of the year as well, obviously, depending on where we are in our life and in our schedules. And so to supersede the external demands of our time and our energies, and to hopefully Advent is a time where we drill down and try to have a a more intimate relationship with the Prince of Peace and, and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not that it's a magic peace pill, but when we do things like pray and meditate and allow ourselves space, I think that's why we feel so harried around the holidays is we lose our space, mm-hmm. our quiet time, our schedule becomes so overloaded um, where we just kind of lose focus per se because we are so busy. Um, 
but that could be other times of the year. I've talked to parishioners who are just really, really strung out because kids are in 15 activities and this and that. And I'm, you know, we haven't eaten at home one night this week and we have, you know, I can't and I on and on and on. And I'm, we're in control of our schedules for the most part. Uh, we make choices. And around the holidays, the same thing. We have to choose the most important things where we can. Sometimes we're not in control and sometimes we don't have choices and things are put on us. But as much as we can to have that space to um, basically commune and be present with God. So for you on a personal level, what do you do during Advent to find moments of peace? Because, uh, yes, we are in control of our own schedule, but to be the associate pastor mm-hmm. of worship and music <laughs> during Advent and Christmas Eve, and, you know, the the Christmas concerts are a part of that. Right. The it, beautiful music that we experience on Sundays is a part of that. And I would imagine <laughs> this time of year is crazy busy for you in the work that you do for right. the church. So so what do you do to claim that peace? Thankfully, I love it. So it's really not work because I love all that stuff and I'm really extroverted. So that gives me energy. However, to find that kind of peace, it's something that I do basically every day. I get up early. I'm an early bird. I like mornings and I like my kind of time, my quiet time is... When either, you know, others in my household are just kind of starting to stir and take their showers and things. But I like that just quiet time in my own head and in the Word with God to just kind of be for just a little while. And I'm not saying it's long, long periods of time, but allowing myself um, just some time to think and and marinate (laughs) in my relationship with Jesus and then I listen to a lot of Christian music. For me, that fills my cup because the words, uh, the words are powerful. When words are scripture, uh, that's how I memorize scripture is through music. And so I usually have you know, every day of the week, 365 days of the year, I listen to Christian music, and um, that for me is invigorating and harkens me back to why am I here? I'm here to worship. And so during during the season of Advent, yeah, there's a lot of concerts and programs and wonderful things. That's an uplift. I know when I'm doing too much when I, you know, and this hasn't happened honestly in, in a while, but when I was younger in my ministry and I would say yes to everything, and then I would lose my voice and be hoarse and be stressed out and strung out. Now that I'm mold. <laughs> I know when to say that that's really too much on my calendar. I'm not going to do that well or I'm going to kind of um, regret that I said yes to that. So leaving space in your calendar, um, we've done some um, seminars and classes of you you can block out time in your schedule when somebody says, oh, can you do X? And you can say, no, I have I have a commitment. The commitment could just be for you to sit at home in your chair and be still or pet your dog uh, for 30 minutes or an hour or take a walk or whatever. That's 
important time. Yeah. I uh, I saw a joke on, on social media, someone talking about their work calendar and they had an open space on their calendar and someone tried to uh, send them a meeting invite and they said, oh no, sorry, I'm not available. And the person says, oh, well, your calendar looks like you have some free time. And they were like, yes, it's mine. It's my <laughs> free time. It is my time to be free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really important. And I think we all need that. We, we need, need to it. remember that we need that space. We need that free time. And just because we see a hole in our calendars doesn't mean that we need to fill it with something. Right. Um, right. And and thinking, thinking, you know, specifically about the, the birth of Jesus and 2,000 years ago, what the world looked like, there wasn't social media and 24-7 news and all these things that grab our attention. Mm-hmm. It's like when the phone rings, if you think you have to answer it right that second, why do we need voicemail? So to allow yourself to just unplug, disconnect from technology or family or whatever for periods of time so we can literally just connect with our creator. Yeah. Well, okay. So you mentioned music. So I'd love to hear what are some of the Christmas hymns or songs that just give you that that warm feeling of God's peace? Oh, wow. And then um, we'll put a playlist together okay, so that all of us okay. can listen to Karen's <laughs> peace playlist. You know, we have a song um, We have a song that we're actually doing on our Christmas concert, and it's brand new, and it's called Song of Peace. And we're doing it at the Christmas concerts this year, and it is so gorgeous. And right now, I'm trying to think how it goes since I wasn't prepared to sing it for you right now. Um, Golly, how does it go? Oh, uh, when there's no peace on earth, there is peace in Christ. That's the that's the kind of the tag, and it is so beautiful. And it's just it's I'm mean, getting chills right now just thinking about that. Uh, one of my colleagues presented it, and because we we confer about what we're going to put on our. Uh, collaborative Christmas concerts, and um, we're actually working on it now. And it says, when there's no peace on earth, there's peace in Christ. And so when I hear those lyrics, I'm like, that is so true. (laughs) That is so true. But okay, back to your question of of hymns and carols. Wow, I like like really most of them. Um, I love Lo How Rose Air Blooming and In the Bleak Midwinter. It's kind of a joke between Daniel and I because it... (laughs) We like to sing Advent hymns, or we say we do, that we don't want to rush to joy to the world. And, um, you know, all the songs where Jesus has already been born before Christmas Eve. But we only have a few Sundays in Advent to sing all the Christmas carols. So we typically jump to, you know, He is born the divine Christ child when it's early December. So I always, it's a joke. The first Sunday of Advent, I always push those two hymns, but they're both very somber, solemn, um, you know, minor key. Well, okay, some so of the-, the no, no, no. the The first one you mentioned, low how the wait, low how a rose air blooming. Okay, mm-hmm. so I have been I spent much time in choir, mm-hmm. and yes, that Thank is you. actually <laughs> one of my favorite songs. See, to I love sing. it too. I love the alto part. <laughs> like it's so good. It's like it is. It's one of those 
those songs that there's something about uh, the build of the song that yes. when you sing it, it brings tears to your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it really is like a centering, peaceful, and it's so simple. I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I will vote for that one too. Thank I love you. it. It's funny because I always run, you know, things by uh, by our senior pastor, Daniel, and he's awesome about it. But he's like, could we sing something maybe a little more, yeah. you know, familiar can, or I zippy? Can understand, <laughs> I can understand how that one may be more fun to sing as sing, a choir yes. than it is to right. participate in right. as a it's more non-musical person. Right. Um, but yeah, I love that one. That's great. Y'all should look that up and listen to it <laughs> if... Uh, uh, you haven't heard it before, but it's really beautiful. Well, spoiler alert, we're doing a cool, beautiful arrangement of Silent Night. Everyone loves Silent Night. And this year, uh, we're going to sign it oh. and be silent after we sing. And it's just, we've practiced it, and it's just chill bumpy good to realize that, you know what? It was a silent night. Mm-hmm. And that cacophony of sound and that build up. So we've got some cool stuff planned this year. But I I love the carols because they are. They're joyful. They're uplifting. They're familiar. It's like putting on, you know, your robe and your slippers. It's like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is what it's about. Well, and I think that that's something that we don't, that I don't think about a lot. And the, the birth narrative is that the night or day or whatever time it was of Jesus's (laughs) birth they were alone. It was Mary and Joseph. It wasn't a bunch of angels singing joy to the world and fireworks right. went off right. when, when Jesus started crying. Right. Um, it would have just been the two of them cuddling that baby right. in a barn by themselves. And Have I told you the story of when I went to Church of the Nativity? No. Okay, it's a God story, so I'm going to tell you. I, w- I got the opportunity to go to the Holy Land. This was a long time ago when Pastor Jim Osher was pastor. And so that's a long time ago. It's the only time I've been to the Holy Land. I would love to go back. And um, the Church of the Nativity is in Jordanian territory. And so the the tour guide was like, I'm not sure if we're going to get to go. We're not sure it's safe. We won't take you into any places that are not. We don't feel safe taking tourists. I was like, oh, gosh, I really, really, really want to go. So thankfully, we were able to get the bus onto the street, and there was a wedding going on because it's several levels in this church. There's like a basement and the main floor. And uh, so, of course, the well, not of course, but all the holy sites in, in uh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, wherever there was a religious event, the Catholics have pretty much built a, a shrine, a, a gorgeous church. And so when you walk in, it's kind of like, okay, this looks like so many other gorgeous, opulent, amazing mm-hmm. cathedrals built to God. It's all about extravagance. Exactly. Yes. So we went down into this cave below the church. I mean, it's literally just rock and stone where they believe Christ was born. And we were standing there, and there's a candle lit over the place where they believe Jesus was born. And I started sobbing. And I don't cry, but maybe once a year when I'm really upset, I'm not a crier. <laughs> Pretty uh, teased because I just kind of don't cry. I couldn't stop. Mm. I mean, I couldn't stop. Like incontrollable racks of sobs to the point that everybody <laughs> was leaving. And I felt like my feet were nailed to the floor. And I just had this overwhelming sense. I don't know if that's the place Christ was born. And I remember uh, Jim Osher coming up and he said, 
are you okay? And I couldn't even speak. And he put his arm around me and I said, I'm just in so, I'm just in awe. I'm just in awe. It was so simple and so humble and so stark and dark and a cold, chilling place. But the power of the Holy Spirit was so present with me that I was just overcome that Jesus would come and into that dark, stark, cold, isolated um, place that it was it was really a transformative experience. And so he stood there with me while I sobbed and everyone went on and finished the tour until I could kind of get it together and get my feet to move. So that's a really special memory uh, of how Christ just breaks in when we just don't know. I mean, it totally snuck up on me. I went to all these other sites and was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. But for some reason, at that point at Church of the Tivity, I lost it. Yeah, man, isn't... That interesting because I feel like everything that we're talking about with peace is about disruption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is about stepping outside of the day to day to experience the awestruck harmony of Christ, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't align with what we define peace to be because it's almost like when we think of peaceful we almost default to the status quo mm-hmm. of like oh okay nothing upturned everyone even keel right. like everyone getting along mm-hmm. you know that's our idea of peace right. but god is constantly just like throwing a wrench in that and like, right. no, this is peace. And it's something that you'll, you, you can't fully understand. Right. <laughs> right. That's a good way to put it. We don't fully understand everything about Jesus and his ministry was not what would have been expected. Mm. That's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> um, so I want to participate in Jesus's peace this Advent and Christmas. And maybe someone who's listening says like, I want to feel that. I want to experience this disruptive peace (laughs) that God has. Um, How can I do that? Like what, what do I need to, to do to experience and participate in the peace of Christ this Advent? Mm. Wow, that would be my my prayer for all of us, that we would have that peace. And I, I think to start wherever we are, um, I think there's power in—we um, know that reading Scripture is going to engage us with our faith and, and with the power of, um, of God as we read Scripture. So I would say start there. I would say to kind of disconnect— from whatever is a distraction to give to give us all time to just kind of be, I would say to forgive ourselves. I think that um, no matter where someone is on their faith journey, that's where they need to be. That's where they are. And so to worry or stress or fret about things that have been done or past mistakes or brokennesses or hurts, if we could get ourselves to the place where we're just open vessels. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement to anyone listening that doesn't feel like they have peace in Christ, that they could just say, you know what, God, I am not 
where I want to be. I want to feel your peace and to allow God to come in to the broken places, to the ugly places, to the hurt places, to the vulnerable places, uh, and just say, okay, God, I'm yours. I am yours. Whatever your will is like Mary, let it be unto me. Uh, I want to be your servant. I want to be your vessel, not know, knowing that we're not going to walk away from an encounter with God perfect <laughs> or totally restored or healed. We're going to have scars and we're going to have chips and chinks. But to realize that God will go with us from wherever we are on the continuum, God will continue to walk with us. And if our prayer is, God, help me, restore me, lead me, that that God can give us a peace. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it with people who have been really devastated, whether by health or disease or abuse, feel peace that when you look at it from the ex, from the outside, go, wow, how can they have that peace that passes understanding? And I believe it comes through, through Christ. Mm. So I think that the question, is it possible to feel cre- peace at Christmas? Uh, yes, but maybe not in the way we think. Right. Yeah. Kind of expect <laughs> the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Um, I, so here, this is my last question. So our theme this Advent is Kaleidoscope Christmas or Christmas Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have been talking a lot in our worship meetings about kaleidoscope moments, mm-hmm. uh, these unique pieces intertwining with each other, and maybe they feel broken, but they come together to reveal the big picture of God's unconditional love. And I'm just, I'm going to ask everybody in this uh, podcast series, what is your favorite kaleidoscope moment that was revealed in the Christmas story? Um, You you mentioned that you were going to ask this question. And at first I was like, hmm, there's so many. And then I thought, you know what? The one that speaks the most to me, the one that I can resonate resonate with more most fully is Elizabeth and Mary. Um, I had my kids later in life and wasn't sure I was ever going to have children. I didn't marry until I was 34. And um, so when Elizabeth and Zachariah are blessed with the pregnancy of John the Baptist, and when Mary goes and visits her relative to tell her, hey, <laughs> you know, I- I'm going to have I'm going to have this this baby. And John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb with joy. And it's just it's just affirmation, confirmation that we're up. There's puzzle pieces and how they fit together. And then when, you know, Jesus, uh, when Mary has this beautiful passage in scripture, you know, and that says the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's just to me as a woman <laughs> and um, just the whole way that that comes together with Elizabeth and Mary and Zachariah and their age and their infertility and then uh, Mary and you know, it wasn't happenstance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just such a beautiful, you know what? God's got this and we can't see. I mean, Elizabeth had to be shocked and frightened and Mary was shocked and, and certainly, I believe, had to be frightened before she came to that. Okay, now I'm resigned. This is this is my, my destiny, my calling, and I'm ready. And I think so many times when, you know, we think biblical characters were 
supernatural or were chosen because they had some special ability and they just, yay, okay, God. That's not how human beings work. First, we were, you know, it's it's stages of disbelief and maybe anger and I'm going to run, I'm going to hide, this can't be right, fear. And then that beautiful, more than resignation, but just acceptance and then full willingness, that surrender, that, wow, it starts here and it just moves so quickly to full obedience. Well, I love that part of the story too. And on on the bigger picture past Jesus' birth, the role that John the Baptist Mm. plays to prepare the way for Jesus. um, And that one encounter between Mary and Elizabeth is this beautiful precursor Mm -hmm. to this grander story. Perfect. Perfect kaleidoscope (laughs) moment. Yes. (laughs) Well, Karen, thank you so much for given us a little insight into peace today and uh, all the peace to you on your Advent journey. And also with you. Thank you. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.